Once upon a time, in a magic land, a Christmas celebration was held. Presents our holiday celebration. W, w Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 467. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you come to Walt Disney World, but I also want to try and help bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are. Whether you're stuck at work or stuck in the cold, I want to bring you some audio with the podcast and videos, the blog, live broadcasts every Wednesday on Facebook, my books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. Christmas and the spirit of the season has always been celebrated in the Disney parks, beginning in Disneyland in 1955 and continuing on to Walt Disney World just two months after the park opened in 1971. And through the years, a variety of celebrations, shows, and spectacles have been featured in the parks, hotels, and throughout the resort. This week, we're going to look back at the history of Christmas in Walt Disney World, From the very first Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and Candlelight Processionals to Bears, Osborne Lights, Santa, The Glory, and Pageantry, lights, celebrities, music, characters, and everything else that make up the jolly holidays at Walt Disney World, I'm then going to ask you to share your memories with me for the show. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have information about our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World as we celebrate the holidays together, the purge, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. supposed to be my song. Huh? Look, Melvin, I'm the deer. I got the red nose, so I get to sing. Ain't we gone through all this before? Well, I don't see why he always gets to oh, sing. Hold the phone there, boys. Where's your Christmas spirit? No, sorry, folks. <clears throat> Gomer, let's show them how it's done. If I asked you when the most wonderful time of year to visit Walt Disney was, for some people, any time is the best time, or to quote, now is the time, now is the best time. But for me, the best time to visit usually revolves around some food-related special event like food and wine or flower and garden. But for a lot of people, excuse me, the holidays truly are the most wonderful time of year. There is something special about the parks, um, the way they're decorated. There's something, I think, unquantifiable and intangible in the air. Maybe it's the smell of hot chocolate. Maybe it's the vision of snow falling on Main Street or the music in the background. But 
I and many other people love Walt Disney World and the Disney parks during the Christmas holidays. And I think it's a very, very different type of experience that you will get other than any other time of year. And Christmas has always been celebrated in the Disney parks, even going back to Disneyland's first year in 1955 with decorations and trees and even carolers. And of course, that tradition continued when Walt Disney World opened in 1971. And each year it has gotten grander and more elaborate and I think really more joyful as the holiday celebrations have spread beyond the parks to the resorts and the shopping in downtown districts as well. So this week, we're going to get cozy, we're going to gather around the fire together and share stories of the history of Christmas at Walt Disney World. And joining me is a man who, like me, is round and jolly, loves a good story, and who shares his gifts with others through the stories that he tells. No, it's not Santa Claus, Buddy the Elf, or Emmett Otter, but none other than author, raconteur, and friend, Jolly Jimmy Corcus. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my uh, hot cocoa and my uh, uh, roasting chestnuts, which is very painful this time of year. <laughs> but I, I, I think you're absolutely right, Lou, that um, going to a Disney theme park is a magical experience. It really is. I, and, and I know that that's become a cliche, uh, but there's something even more magical when it's over the holiday season. And, and maybe that's because uh, many of the things that we uh, associate uh, with the, the holidays, you know, uh, getting together with uh, uh, family, you know, uh, wonderful memories, things like that, uh, align so closely uh, with uh, Disney traditions. And uh, as you were saying, too, um, Walt, made sure that even that very first uh, uh, Christmas uh, in Disneyland in uh, December of 1955, that there were uh, elements uh, of, of Christmas there. And interestingly enough, uh, those grew and became so important and so intrinsic that when Walt Disney World opened 45 years ago in, in 1971, uh, a lot of those uh, uh, traditions, uh, candlelight processional, uh, uh, the Christmas parade, all that was uh, uh, translated uh, wholesale uh, to, to the brand new uh, uh, Magic Kingdom. Well, and that's and, what I'm saying. Like, uh, <clears throat> Christmas has always been celebrated, you know, even in Walt Disney World's first year, not with the three. It wasn't the coming of the three kings. It was the three Ps, the parades, parties, and processionals, the same things that they had in uh, Disneyland. But and, and look, I think just as a quick aside, before we move forward, I want to step back a second because so many of these things really come from Walt. And, you know, Walt himself personally, he loved Christmas. He, was, he celebrated obviously very humbly as a child, um, and even mm -hmm. as he was able, when he was able to spoil his children, he didn't. Um, and I know in your in one of your books you have a chapter dedicated specifically to Walt and Christmas, mm -hmm. but I think that's why it was important for Walt to, to celebrate this holiday in his parks. Oh, uh, yes, I, I, I think so, because... Uh, he loved people, and uh, yes, the uh, the chapter you're mentioning is uh, uh, Santa Walt, which is in uh, one of the uh, 
Vault of Waltz uh, uh, books there, I think, uh, Volume 2. And basically, uh, Walt never looked forward to getting presents because he, he really didn't get them uh, as a kid, but he loved giving presents. And, and I think he felt uh, giving something <clears throat> extra at, at Disneyland uh, over the, the holiday season uh, uh, w- was important. So, you know, you have carolers and, and people coming to Disneyland, they're not paying any extra to, to see these uh, people in authentic Dickens costumes around there. There was a huge Christmas tree to the uh, uh, left side of the entrance of um, Sleeping Beauty Castle. There was even a Christmas tree on the uh, forward deck of the uh, Mark Twain. Uh, and and again, you know, uh, all of the lights and then uh, window displays, which uh, uh, over the years became uh, more and more uh, elaborate, especially on, on uh, Main Street. Uh, and so uh, I think Walt felt a responsibility that people were giving up um, uh, part of their holiday season to to drive out to, to Anaheim, so he wanted to make it uh, a little special for them, uh, other than the fact that uh, Walt just enjoyed it uh, himself, had a, had a little Christmas tree in his own apartment over the uh, firehouse there. And if you're going to have a Christmas tree, one of the best places to have it is over a firehouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably one of the safest uh, safest things. Well, what I love too, Jim, is you know you have to remember, you know, Walt Disney World opens in October of '71, so you have just mm-hmm. about—I mean, it's not even two months really before they start their, you know, their Christmas tradition, you know, almost sort of on, on day one. And obviously, remember, it, it's just Magic Kingdom back then, but they had parades and they had decorations and they had Main Street with the giant Christmas tree and poinsettias and, and pansy and in Town Square. They had that giant Christmas tree and the Wonderland of Wax, which eventually became the Holiday Corner, had Christmas mm-hmm. decorations in there. And even the windows, much like we look forward to now as, as the Emporium windows change over, that happened in that very first year as well. And, and, and again, Lou, I think a lot of times people forget that even though the park opened October 1st, 1971, it Barely opened <laughs> October first, nineteen seventy-one. There, there, there were a lot of things that were incomplete. This was all considered uh, phase one. There were some things that they had not gotten around to to building yet. There was not enough time. There was not enough money to do that. And some of the things that did open really weren't uh, complete. And so you're right. And so here, you know, uh, uh, literally about uh, two months later, you're having Christmas. Uh, Decorations. I don't know if any of your uh, listeners are old enough to remember, but December 1971, in uh, the Contemporary Resort in the Grand Canyon Concourse, <laughs> they had a huge artificial uh, Christmas tree. Because, again, artificial Christmas trees, that's the future, and the contemporary <laughs> is the future. But, but this artificial Christmas tree was done up like a, um, I guess I would describe it like a layer cake. But each uh, succeeding layer got smaller, so it became this cone shape. But each layer was literally just streams of green tinsel. <laughs> and on the top was the futuristic star, which, which looked like you know, a, an outer space uh, 
uh, circular globe round ball satellite with, with all of these different length spikes, you know, coming out of it because, my gosh, the con- you know, it's hard for us to realize right now, but the contemporary was like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's not just the contemporary, that's the future. And, uh, you know, uh, we didn't realize that when the contemporary opened, this is the future, but they didn't have uh, elevator access up to the monorail. So that was the future. But we had our we had our our gray spandex jumpsuits like Buck Rogers, and we had our metallic <laughs> green Christmas tree. Uh, and and po- yeah, well, right when Epcot opened, it was excruciating polyester costumes of torture, <laughs> right? But, and, and keep it. So that's for, what Epcot Epcot stood for. And so, that tree. Um, but wait, so, so Jimmy. So e- e- even though there are similar traditions in in seventy one, because. Um, for the candlelight processional that's being held uh, on the at the train station because it was held at the train station in Disneyland, and they brought out um, Dr. Charles Hurt, who who created the candlelight processional at at Disneyland in 1958 and kept running it every year there. They brought him out, so for a couple of years he was out here at Christmas, um, staging the exact same candlelight. Uh, uh, processional uh, on the uh, train station uh, uh, steps at Walt Disney World. And again, the processional uh, was only, you know, uh, two nights. You know, we, we, tend, we tend to forget uh, these things, that things started very uh, small. When Mickey's Very Merry Christmas uh, Party debuted in 1989, it was for two nights yeah. only because there there was like, would Disney guests really pay an additional ticket to come see this? And when it was such a huge hit, then the following year in 1990, and they realized this was a huge hit, they expanded it to a third night. <laughs> and, 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 and these days, what are we getting? A month worth of nights? I, yeah. I, can't, I don't know anymore now. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think back to that that first year, again, they, they did it, you know, much of the same things that we have now, we had back then, but on a different scale. So when you do think about things like, for example, the candlelight processional, there weren't, you know, the, the at the very beginning, we think about the candlelight processional now as not just the choir of cast members, but really about the celebrities. So at the beginning, there was two nights, and there were high school choirs with 900 to 1,000 students. But the narrator who told the story of the first Christmas was not necessarily a celebrity. It wasn't until about 1960, 61, I think, they had the first celebrity uh, over in Disneyland. And at Mm -hmm. Disney World, uh, Rock Hudson was the very first. (laughs) So now, listen, we say Rock Hudson and we laugh because we know who Rock Hudson is. But a lot of people going, Rock who? Like who who is? And Rock Hudson wasn't just for like one year, but I think – Six years leading up until the, the mid eighties, right? And in fact, he did I think uh, two over at uh, Disneyland as well too. And and yes, Rock Hudson was one of those uh, uh, big glamorous uh, uh, movie stars. You know, where where women would you know uh, scream and 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 faint because he he was he was so uh, handsome and 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 so rugged, and he'd he'd be in. Um, uh, uh, romantic comedies with Doris Day, or he'd be in westerns and, and and all of that, and 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 it's interesting how short, 
you know, uh, our memories are that, um, uh, you know, we, we don't, uh, time just seems to blur, uh, together. You know, the, the first, uh, 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 televised Disney Christmas parade out at Walt Disney World didn't feature Regis Phillips. <laughs> you know, it, I, I think it was uh, Joan London and, and, and Mike yeah. Douglas, who was a, a talk show host. And, and Regis uh, popped up the next year, but it, as a uh, uh, on-the-street uh, correspondent. You know, it took several years for him to... But I, I, I think a lot of people uh, grew up and just remembered that, no, Regis Philbin, Regis Philbin was the host of the... Uh, Walt Disney World uh, Christmas uh, uh, Parade. You know, well, we, so many we almost of sort of remember it always ball. We always, you know, I think for a lot of us too who are are <clears throat> a little bit older, it almost seems of, of like a certain age. Those of us <laughs> right. who are of a certain age, it almost I, seems like I'm, the Christmas. I'm of pool. a certain age. I remember when Disney would bring live Christmas trees and put them, uh, you know, in town square. So. But we, we always sort of remember, like, well, there was always a Christmas, there was always a Disney Christmas, you know, par- party on TV, but it wasn't, it wasn't until, like, 93, I think the first party and and live, quote-unquote, <laughs> telecast um, happened. Mm-hmm. And and actually, it, it, uh, uh, it uh, uh, was a, a live uh, a telecast to begin with. Nowadays, uh, what they do, because they're worried about you know, whether they're worried about the uh, uh, commitments that celebrities have who are, who are going to be uh, lip syncing in the parade, uh, <laughs> that it, it gets uh, it gets filmed uh, sometimes the end of November yeah. or, or the very first week of December. Have you ever been to any of those filmings? Uh, I, I have walked by the filmings because people line up very, very early to get their spot uh, on mm-hmm. Main Street. And it's, you know, not to sort of spoil, but it, it's a process that takes all day. They don't just run it <laughs> once and it, you know, um, they, they move things yeah, forward. I, they I pull don't think things people back. realize that, that it's not a, a straight parade. Yeah, right. It's not done in one take. Of the parade and then they'll stop and they'll move it back and they'll bring it in again. And, and then uh, uh, the director will uh, 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 yell at you to capture some uh, uh, what are called wild shots with, with people screaming and yelling, but at nothing in particular. <laughs> nothing but then through the magic of editing, when you see it on TV, it's like, oh, here, here comes this float with um, a singer I've never heard of, but the entire crowd is going crazy. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I'll t- and I have been there for some of those things, and I've watched some of the performers, and there is something neat and exciting about being there for the taping. For some people, it's the uh, well, idea I, that— I think you should do it once, like like right. being in, in uh, Times Square for New Year's Eve. You should do it at least once so you've had that that experience. I, I learned long ago, uh, being a, uh, a California boy, that—, that uh, uh, getting up at the crack of darkness to go down to Colorado Boulevard to stand on the street to see the uh, uh, Rose Parade, that's exciting once, maybe twice, but after that it's like, I can sleep in and then turn it on TV and, you know, have have my uh, cinnamon rolls and hot cocoa and and uh, be in my slippers. I do, uh, I will tell you that I do like, and it still is tradition, Christmas morning you get up and you open the, the presents that Santa left behind and you do like to still watch 
the the Christmas party and the the, the Christmas day parade. And one of the things that I think is mm-hmm. really neat, Jim, is stuff that we see in the parade now and as part of the party now. It, taking the, the the modern celebrities out of there, when you go back to things like the my favorite parts are the toy soldiers and the reindeer oh, yes, and yes. the bands and <clears throat> excuse me the Disney characters. Those go back to to the very first. Parades and those, and I, and I sort of like that from a historical perspective. That yes, they may have evolved over time, but those are, we talk about Christmas traditions. That has been part of the Walt Disney World Christmas tradition from day one. The interesting thing that I found when I was doing my research was that in 1971, the Magic Kingdom closed at 6 p.m. The same thing yeah. on Christmas Day. <laughs> They'd be like, "What? We're open till three? Who are you kidding?" <laughs> Well, well, you, you know, again, and and it took me a while because uh, uh, I I am a, a former Walt Disney World cast member. It took me a, a while to uh, to realize. I thought, why is Christmas Day so crowded? Why why is Thanksgiving Day so so crowded? Why aren't these people home with their families? You know, and uh, it was explained to me these people are on vacation. They can't. This is their family being. Disney is now part of their extended right. family, and I was just saying you know? it's part and, of and the so, tradition. And so right. that's that's why you're there. And and yeah, I, I love those uh, uh, tin, tin soldiers. Those uh, debuted back in '61. Uh, uh, those were designed by um, a, a, a good friend of mine who unfortunately passed away, Bill Justice, who was an animator and an Imagineer, and he came up with the designs for those along with. Um, uh, his friend, uh, Exitensio. And uh, the reason for those toy soldiers was because they had been working on the stop-motion miniature ones for uh, the movie Babes in Toyland. And so they took those exact same designs and just, you know, exploded them. And uh, Exitensio uh, and Bill came up with those, uh, the goofy-looking reindeer, you know, the, the ones <laughs> right. with the tongues hanging out. And... and uh, uh, you know, obviously, material used to create those um, uh, costumes have have improved and changed over the years, but but the spirit and and the basic design remains the same. And I and I think the point that you're trying to get at is that that uh, initial spirit of Christmas that was there at at uh, Disneyland since it opened and Walt Disney World since it opened uh, still exists today. And so when we go to the parks. Uh, uh, you know, this holiday season, it, it's uh, some of that tradition. Um, and not all traditions are good, but I think this tradition is great. Uh, some of that tradition, you know, it, it is there and that uh, infuses our our reactions to what we're seeing there. Well, and, you know, I want to touch on one thing because we were sort of almost laughing like a couple of old men about, you know, the, the quote unquote celebrities when we watch the Christmas Day Parade now maybe are not as relatable to us, some of the singers and performers, you know, but celebrities as part of the uh, the candlelight processional and as part of the, the party and tradition have been around since day one, right? So we're gonna, I'll, I'm going to read some names that you and I can probably relate to. Some people couldn't, but mm-hmm. Rock Hudson was a big deal. Cary Grant was a big deal oh, in gosh. 1972. Dean Jones, you should obviously know the, the Disney, Disney connection there. Pat Boone, mm-hmm. Walter Cronkite in 1988. 
McLean Stevenson and George Kennedy. But you, I want, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because... You know, and, and all of these celebrities gave outstanding performances. It, it wasn't as if they were slumming. They wanted you know, to be at, there, at, right. At they wanted to be there. Park. This was something serious and, and, and important. And, and I think that's reflected in um, the, uh, the narrators that, that uh, we have today. You know, and, and I, I think uh, some of your listeners probably have, have some favorites, whether it's like Neil Patrick Harris or, or, or whatever. You know, and at one time, Neil Patrick Harris was uh, best known for being Doogie Howser. Who would have, <laughs> who would have guessed, right? You never know. But, um, you know, this was serious. This was... Uh, uh, important and and the cast members who who get involved and the cast members who are who are part of the cast choir for for candlelight processional. I I can tell you from being a, uh, a an ex cast member how how important and how seriously uh, uh, people took being a part uh, of, of of that. Uh, experience it, it really is transcendent well and I think the celebrities do too and, and I'm and I'm specifically trying to lead you to two stories that I want you to tell right because we talk about how so many of these I mean we're talking a-list celebrities and maybe to sort of make it more relative uh, you know James Earl Jones was a, uh, a a celebrity narrator but there there's two really interesting stories that I know you tell that actually happened in back-to-back years. And and the first was in 1970 with Charlton Heston and the weather and the following year with John Wayne being sick. <laughs> well, it, it, sometimes, Lou, I get uh, uh, tired of listening to my uh, uh, own voice. So so why don't you, you start <laughs> with one of these? Why don't you take the Charlton Heston one there? So in in if and I'm and I'm feel like I'm telling your story, but um, in 1970 uh, well, and the, and see that, that that that's the whole point is that when I tell a story, uh, stories need to be uh, shared uh, to to be uh, uh, kept alive. And and one of the things that that I uh, particularly enjoy is hearing people um, tell those stories back because then hearing them. Um, from a different perspective, because there'll be different things that you will uh, uh, empathize, uh, 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 emphasize, uh, and you know, or or some some little, uh, what do I want to say? Some little uh, Mangello uh, <laughs> touch. <laughs> well, I want to listen. I, I agree with you, and I think the stories. You know, we look. I said, I think in the in one of the introductions I wrote for one of your books. You know, we are all cavemen, right? We're all storytellers. But I think it's also important to credit the the source that you originally heard from. So this story, yes. if I'm if I've gotten it right, I've heard it from Jim Corcus. If I got it wrong, I, I read it somewhere else. <laughs> but in nineteen, 19- well, at, at least you've got Jim Corcus here now to uh, who who has such great respect for you who. <laughs> <laughs> who will say, now, Lou... That's close, The way I the... heard it was... <laughs> All right, so tell me if this is um, as true. Maybe I'll, I'll use as little detail as possible so I don't mess it up. But in 1970, um, you know, the weather is not always perfect, and these mm-hmm. rain clouds are, are coming in as he's getting ready to... Uh, narrated, which again he wanted to do. Um, this is something he he asked that he really wanted to do, and uh, allegedly uh, Charlton was to say, "Listen, 
if I can part the Red Sea, then I can stop it from raining. So don't you worry. <laughs> and in Heston fashion, it did not rain. Mm-hmm. No, that that that's uh, uh, absolutely true. And uh, again, oh, it's by the way, kids, um, kids, Charlton Heston it, was Moses. It, it's what, right, it's he was what Moses. Charlie Ridgway used to call Walt Weather. Uh, and and I don't know if you're um, uh, uh, familiar with that term, but uh, it, that came about, uh, uh, of course, with the 1960 uh, uh, Winter Olympics up in uh, uh, Squaw Valley, and you know uh, it it was. It was snowing so hard that, uh, you know, the conductor, uh, and the conductor was Charles Hurt, by the way, from Candlelight Processional, could not see the chorus (laughs) at all. And so um, uh, it it was like, well, this is is going to be uh, telecast. Should we move all of this uh, indoors? And, And Walt said, no, you know, because if we do that, you know, a lot of these uh, kids who were in the uh, uh, the chorus and they, um, uh, you know, had to earn money to to come out here and uh, uh, all of this, you know, they they won't get a chance to be on camera. He says we're gonna we're gonna wait, and um, then what happened is just before the telecast, the weather cleared up. It was beautiful and and so they filmed and then the moment the ceremonies closed roughly about an hour later one of the worst snowstorms in the world <laughs> came and and so charlie ridgeway who, who did uh, uh publicity for disney called that uh, walt weather that when there was an important uh um uh disney event uh basically uh, what happens is the weather will clear up so so that um so that that uh, uh can happen and, and charlton heston um uh was it was quite a character uh you know we've talked about this before that when he was uh uh writing his uh, uh signature in his uh, hand print print uh block in front of uh uh, the Chinese theater at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios, um, that as he was signing that, one of his fans called out to him, and so he looked up to acknowledge that, and then he went back to write, and he left out one of the letters in his name. <laughs> you know, and it's like, holy cow. Right, he's Charton. You know? He's Charton Heston. <laughs> well, and and so you can do that. And, you know, I you've, you've mentioned that... Uh, uh, before I wondered how many, uh, um, and I hate to call them kids, but I, I, I wonder how many, uh, uh, people, uh, uh, today remember Charlton Heston or, or can name, uh, some of the films that, that he was in, you know, of course, uh, Ben Hur is famous, but I always remember him, uh, from, uh, Soylent Green and, uh, Omega Man. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, he's always going to be Moses to me. Charlton Heston, he's always going to be. <laughs> well, you know, that, 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 that's, a, that's a, a great thing to do. Wait, listen, I, I've been jabbering a while. You did, you did a great job on that 
uh, last story. Let's have you do the John Wayne one here too, and 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 then I'll I'll add in some uh, uh, footnotes. Go ahead. So you, I, you, you did. You you got you got that just right on on. But but I wish you had done it in Charlton Heston's voice. Well, I was thought I thought okay. about doing the John Wayne voice. You know, my my pilgrim oh, well, voice. Well, <laughs> let, let, well, 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 partner, well, pilgrim, give it give it a shot here. Yeah, uh, I See listen. What we got. I I can't. I still haven't done my uh, my 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 uh, my twenty thousand leagues James Mason voice. I'm not going to start off by doing a really bad. John well, well Wayne. listen, and, and now you know all of the box people are going to come in and, and go. We want to hear uh, James, even though they don't know who James Mason is. I know they don't know. They're like they're like who are these old guys? Heston, John Wayne, James Mason. Who are listen, kids? All you need to know is John Wayne, Duke Morrison, Mar- whatever you want to call him, uh, Mar- well, Morrison. You know, thank, thank heavens, thank heavens, you have a 13-year-old daughter, so she keeps you up to date with um, uh, some of the new actors and, and actresses and celebrities that are out there. You know, she she mentions them, and I'm, I'm sure you had to uh, um, uh, keep up to date so that you know who she's talking about or who she's interested in. Well, it's worse when I say a, a name of, of who I think somebody that's current is now, and she looks at me like I've got, like, who? What? What are you talking about? Um, but all right, so John Wayne, uh, famous Western star, uh, man who shot Liberty Valance, uh, Rio Bravo, Quiet Man, the shooters, tons. I mean, I don't even know how many, 140, 150 films, somewhere around there? At, 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 at least. You know, he, he did all of those uh little uh, B-movie uh, westerns for for uh, uh, smaller studios like uh, Republic. Because my, my dad was a huge uh, uh, western movie fan. So, you know, by golly, you know, that, that's what uh, it, 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 he wanted to watch. And so on Saturday afternoons, sometimes I'd sit there with my dad and we'd watch that. Well, if you're still not sure, he's the cowboy in the great movie ride on the left-hand side. How's that? There you go. See, that's where we should have gone first. So, so the John Wayne story is, uh, uh, what, in, in the 70s here, right? right I think 71. 70s. He was very sick. He, had, um, he right. had, uh, had pneumonia or he had a really bad cough, and he he was he decides to do it anyway and the reason why was not for any sort of personal reason he's like look i, I just don't want to let all these kids down that came mm-hmm. out to hear me say it and i think you know that's one it's a, it's a testament to to him and his again these celebrities weren't doing it for the pr and publicity they were there because they wanted to be there and I think and, it still and, is true. And and, and and we should clear this up. We said we said that Rock Hudson did it in '71. It was '71 uh, at uh, Walt Disney World. Uh, John Wayne '71 at uh, uh, Disneyland. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So my gosh, you know uh, what? My golly! <laughs> I remember the good old days when there used to be the Osborne spectacle of dancing lights. Oh, so wait, 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 wait. Don't know what you're missing. <laughs> so wait, just to just to sort of fill in the gap here, because you're saying, well, wait a minute, you're you're telling me that at Walt Disney World, the candlelight processional used to be in Magic Kingdom. It moved to Epcot, not in um, not when it first opened. It didn't move to Epcot until 1993, and they yeah, started. That's doing... right. Simply because they needed to have a. Uh, a uh, bigger venue, you know, it, yeah. it it was so difficult to, uh, um, 
you know, try to find a room on on Main Street, you know, and 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 try to to, to take a look at the, uh, uh, you know, they they did the train station because it's a raised area, but um, you know, even then, it, it's difficult to see. So, yeah. So you know, and and the older I get, the more I'd like to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad they moved it, Tapcott. Well, not only did they move it, but remember, we're talking about the. Candlelight being two nights. Now, once it moves to Epcot, it's twice night. It's fifteen nights, and then the following yep. year, it's they double it. It's now thirty nights, and then I believe in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there, it's three times a night for thirty-five nights. Yeah. So that that is a lot. Of, but it look any night that you go, it's completely full, and people stand online for hours in order to see their favorite and, performers. And, and stand in the back there, too. Yeah. So, you know, trying to to peer in because, um, you know, it, it it's a unique experience. I, I don't think um, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. I can't remember any other uh, amusement park, amusement venue that that had something uh, similar to that. You you really become immersed in the entire experience there the 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 sound the lights and uh uh more importantly the the reactions of the people there as well you know um they're enthusiastic but they're still uh, um uh respectful you know it, it you you talk about uh, uh the food and wine festival and uh, uh things like that and uh, I know when they have uh, when they had rocking concerts uh, uh, at the American Gardens Theater, and they had uh, somebody like uh, uh, Davy Jones perform uh, from the Monkees, and um, I remember seeing these twenty-something uh, young women becoming so embarrassed because their their mothers were all in the front rows <laughs> and standing up wanting to to run to the stage you know and and, and not understanding you know why this is happening but uh, you know you you don't get that with the uh, candlelight pr- processional it, it, people people treat it very respectfully and and when you think of the vast number of people and the the vast number of opportunities to for for something uh inappropriate to happen and it never does because because people really become part of that experience yeah and so you started to uh you you hinted to and and we cannot even sort of get into some of the things that um are are kind of extinct you know through the years and through the decades there were a lot of holiday offerings that came and went and i think the first one is one that you uh, hinted at, and, and it's it's still the one that maybe stings for people because it's so close. And that was the Osborne family spectacle of dancing lights, uh, oh, which yeah. yeah, which I think was something that was not just beloved by people, Jim, but something that people really looked forward to, and, and specifically made trips out to come and see. And 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 yes, I'm I'm of that certain age, so I remember when it was on. Um... Uh, residential street and and that was uh, quite a wonderful experience of you're 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 walking and it's like you're actually walking down a um uh a a neighborhood you know and that neighbors have have decorated their lawn chairs and they've they they've uh, done all of these things uh uh 
for that to happen. And, um, you know, I once it went to the streets of America, I, I think some of that intimacy, some of that mm-hmm. charm was lost. But I, I was still glad uh, all of that uh, uh, was there. Yeah, William Jennings uh, Osborne, quite, uh, quite a character, uh, um, you know, and... Uh, uh, do you want to tell the the story of, of uh, uh, how he put up those uh, lights for his uh, little daughter Breezy? So Jimmy, come here by the fire and uh, let me yes. let me tell you a tale of <laughs> of Jennings. Uh, let's go back to to 1994, 1995. You've got the uh, Christmas parties at the Magic Kingdom. You've got the very mm-hmm. merry Christmas parade. You've got and they're all making money in business, <laughs> so it's good to make money. Uh, at Epcot, you've got uh, Felicia Rashad um, giving performances of the Candlelight Processional, and over in Little Rock, Arkansas, Jennings Osborne, um, in and really sort of a gift to his his family, a gift to his daughter starts putting up Christmas lights on his home. The Christmas lights, uh, much like our waistlines continues to grow year after year. So much so long story longer. It ends up becoming something that is, is according to his neighbors, a nuisance. So Jennings is like, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. I'll just buy the house next door and I'll just keep my thing growing. Uh, it ends up going to the Arkansas Supreme court who rules against the Osbournes and orders them to take down their decorations. Insert sad thematic music here. Right. Disney uh, comes to the rescue. They it, it would not be a year without a Santa Claus. They save the display. They find a home for the lights over at the, uh, the Disney MGM Studios. They send a convoy of trucks to pick up two million plus Christmas lights and one accidental black cat. And in 1995, the uh, Osborne family spectacle of dancing lights thrills fans for 20 years um, before it left just a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, and uh, yeah, 2015. I uh, actually no, it was January 6, 2016. They extended it because it was the last. Uh, year before they were going to uh, uh, tear down uh, uh, all of that area for uh, Star Wars land. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, uh, I, I met uh, Jennings Osborne, um, and I met uh, his daughter, Breezy, uh, it, Allison Brianne, but her nickname was Breezy. And basically when she was six years old in, in 1986, you know, he asked her, and, and this is a hugely wealthy man asked her, you know, what, what do you want for Christmas? Expecting, you know, she'd have some doll, maybe she'd want a pony, you know, things like that. And it was, her dad was so busy making money that she just wanted to spend time with her dad, putting up Christmas tree lights on the house. And so 1986, that first year, they put up a thousand lights, which was, you know, pretty amazing. And uh, he just had so much fun, uh, doing that, that you, you're absolutely right. He kept adding lights and adding lights, and yeah, when the neighbors complained, he bought the house next to him, and when they still kept complaining, he bought the other house next to him. So he had three houses right next to each other with that. And in fact, the lights were so bright How that bright pilots could see them from 80 miles away. <laughs> and and so. Um, uh, it was uh, uh, talking about giving people uh, uh, credit. It was uh, John Phelan, 
uh, who was uh, he's a, a terrific uh, Disney uh, uh, show director. He he worked with um, uh, his boss was um, uh, uh, Bruce Bruce Laval, and uh, they said, well, let's let's call this guy and 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 see, you know, because uh, uh, Laval had seen it on CNN this whole story, and. Uh, uh, Osborne had gotten offers from other cities to do this. And in fact, uh, later Osborne decorated, you know, other, other things, including Graceland, believe it or not, with Christmas tree lights, all free of charge. But, um, yeah, it was four 18 wheel, uh, uh, moving vans that brought all the stuff down, uh, to Walt Disney world, uh, November 4th, 1995. Now, the reason I emphasize November 4th, 1995, is because... The Christmas lights should have been up already. The <laughs> was November 24th. Right. So you got 20 days. To, and, and so uh, uh, Osborne, being the, being the guy that he was, he paid uh, for technicians to come down and help the Disney people, you know, uh, put all of this uh, uh, stuff up. And he did not ask for a single penny, yeah. uh, either for either for the lights or for the or for the use of his name. He didn't even demand that his name be used, but but they did. But what would happen is he and his family would come down um, uh, each year for about a week um, uh, during the Christmas season, and Disney would put them up at the, uh, the grand Floridian and, you know, compliment to all of the, the parks and, uh, for at least one night of them being out here, uh, uh, Osborne and his uh, daughter would come to, um, what was then Disney MGM studios, talk about things that pass away and they would turn on the lights, uh, that, that, uh, one, one night and, and, and speaking about, you know, Oh my gosh, you know, things that have, you know, glowed away here. Uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, when uh, you used to go see the Osborne uh, um, spectacle of, uh, of lights, and they weren't dancing lights to begin with. Eventually they became dancing lights when they installed, you know, all these dimmer relays and control uh, switches so they could be choreographed to a musical score. But uh, Disney would give away special glasses. Mm -hmm. And the first year, you put them on, and when you looked at lights, you could see angels. And, and what was super cool about this is, of course, I brought my glasses home because you want to have those Disney souvenirs. And I looked at my own Christmas tree, and you could see the angels in, 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 in the lights. And then the next year... Uh, I don't know whether it, it was because of um, uh, religious controversy or whatever. You never know sometimes why some decisions were made. But the next year, you got uh, glasses that showed you uh, snowflakes mm -hmm. when, when, when you looked at, at the lights. Did you have that experience, Lou? I did. And I, and I remember it was the first time I had ever seen something like that, which we, we see a lot, right? You know. Now we see the first nighttime drone show here. We're going to end up seeing that elsewhere. But that's the first time I saw, you know, these these um, the paper 3D glasses. glasses. that could be technologically yeah. engineered to allow you to do. Well, you know, it's the little things that, you know. And, and again, if you've never seen it before, it's new to you. It was the first time I had seen, 
you know, that. And I, and I was thinking, uh, you know, because I had had bad experiences with 3D glasses and things like like that. And um, Yeah, but Jim, that know, was like the, 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 fif- was that was the 50s when you were going to the movies and watching The Blob. So it's very, very different now. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> um, uh, memories, memories. You so know? I, I want to do uh, while we're you know, talking we, about. I, 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 now, now you've got me all worked up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, I, I guess it's. Uh, I can. It'll probably be on sale. I can probably go buy a Rock Hudson movie and a Charlton Heston movie, and now they're Christmas movies for me for, 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 for me to enjoy. But uh, no, the festival of, uh, uh, of light, my. Gosh, it was uh, so packed. Even when it was on residential street, you know, you were all moving in the same direction. If you tried to go against the flow, good luck. Right, and it was a wide street. It was a wide street. Yeah, it was a lot of space. And and on streets of America, it 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 was, you know, person to person uh, uh, packed there, and and that canopy of uh, of um, lights. You know that you're that you can be under and and really be immersed when when the music goes off. Uh, that was um, on the uh, uh, driveway in front of uh, uh, Osborne's uh, main house in in Little Rock, and it was all red lights uh, uh, for that to happen. And and Osborne would would stand out uh, on the curb handing out um, free Christmas canes. Uh, uh, to people who had who had stopped by to to see the the lights, I I, I talked with uh, one person when I was working at uh, uh, Walt Disney World who had been uh, in Arkansas when when uh, the lights were on, and he said they weren't Christmas canes, they were Christmas logs. There were these <laughs> huge round sticks, and and he would just you know uh, uh, his favorite uh, Osborne's favorite expression was random act of kindness. Which uh, we should all be doing random acts of kindness that, you know, uh, and that if you've been blessed with, with, with a good life, if you've been blessed with, with, with money, it also com- that blessing comes with a responsibility uh, to share with others. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's uh, one of the important things other than, my gosh, what a wonderful uh, spectacle. I, I think that... Uh, thought and that that spirit was was one of the uh, souvenirs you take away from the Disney experience of of how um, you can really transform people's lives and 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 make them better because this is a, a tough life you know and none of us are getting out of it alive uh, we might as well spend the time that we have here you know when we can uh, to help each other and 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 certainly that's very much in the spirit of the christmas season well and i think too you know i i want to make sure we really talk about jennings osborne himself because the things he did from handing out candy canes to decorating look the the thing he did at his home he did for his only daughter right it it was something that he did Mm -hmm. for her and and you know his wife had multiple miscarriages so it, it meant a lot to him and when he did things at his home, when he did things here at Disney, there it was purely philanthropic. He had no ulterior motives. He was not trying to promote or sell or advertise a, a company or a business. You know, he was a um, 
a biologist, like a microbiologist, and he did prescription drug testing. That's where he made his money, but he never did anything for any other purpose. He didn't want it to be sponsored by or brought to you by. This was not really about him. It was very philanthropic in terms of wanting to share what he had created for his daughter with other people as well. Well, I, I, I um, got to talk with uh, John Phelan, and uh, one of the things Phelan did was he, he got a uh, Walt Disney World cast member uh, name badge <laughs> made up for, for, for Osborne. But, but he said one of the things that impressed him most is uh, uh, one year they were standing and um, they were looking at all the lights. And uh, Osborne looked at him and he says, I just like making people happy. Yeah. And, and his, his great joy was, uh, you know, he, he didn't want to be recognized. He didn't want, you know, a big spotlight on him when he turned on 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 the lights you know uh, each year or, or something like that he just liked to see uh people out there uh enjoying it you know right he wasn't um, trying to be uh, uh, uh matthew broderick and danny devito in deck the halls trying to see if he could well, let his well, lights be seen yeah, by space yeah, space <laughs> or, or 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 clark uh, griswold you know although although like clark griswold he actually blew Transformers in his neighborhood. They assigned him. The power company gave him his own Transformers because yes. he blew the, uh, the blew the lights. <laughs> and 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 Disney ran into some of those same challenges in those early years uh, over here because because uh, a lot of those uh, lights now eventually they they got changed out into uh, LED lights and you know uh, things like that. But but the original sets were just uh, Christmas tree lights that you would you would buy at, at a Home Depot or a Walmart, and and then a lot of these uh, uh, cords were just you know extension cords <laughs> clicked together, you know uh, for for crying out loud. But you know sometimes that's all it takes. You know the electrical water pageant, that's all it was. Was yeah. it's these flat. Uh, wire screens but but the lights aren't these big fancy they they were just regular christmas tree lights to begin with you know and and then you you synchronize them um uh for that to happen sometimes sometimes the simplest things are 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 the best one of walt's uh, favorite uh, um christmas gifts was given to him um by the uh, uh, studio nurse Hazel George, uh, went to a, uh, a dime store like uh, Woolworths or Cress or Newberries, and and those are names people probably don't remember anymore. <laughs> but but uh, bought a um, bought a little uh, a dime store kaleidoscope, and Walt was just enthralled because you could look through it, and as you you turned it, it, it changed shapes, and it was never the same shape twice, and. He kept it on on his desk, and and that Christmas season, anybody who came in to visit Walt, Walt had them pick up the kaleidoscope and hold it up, and you know, uh, woe to you if you were not half as excited. As Walt and kids, was. kids who, if you don't know what a kaleidoscope is, it's kind oh, of like gosh, o- yeah, they probably don't even know it's that. It's kind of All like right, Oculus please. Rift or virtual reality, but not quite as detailed. <laughs> so- <laughs> 
<laughs> L- listen, listen. When, when the zombie apocalypse comes and all the electricity is gone, we'll be going back to this stuff, boy. Exactly. So, all right. So, I want to just quickly touch. You know, the we 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 mentioned how 2015 slash 2016 season the the Osborne lights went away. And a lot of people were very upset, uh, but I think still are. And and just well, well to... we 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 all thought that well maybe they'll bring them back to uh, Disney Springs or or maybe they'll uh, I I heard uh, rumors too that they were going over to the Magic Kingdom and and, and all of that. Obviously, those at this particular point ha- have proven untrue. So so what can you possibly have to? To replace this with so uh, just just to be clear because I, I think Disney got a lot of negative uh, PR and and believe it or not there are some angry people on Twitter who were just incensed at Disney for taking this away. Understand first of all that 2015 just happens to be the t- the 20th anniversary. This was a 20 year contract. It was actually five year contracts that were re- renewed multiple times. Mm-hmm. Obviously now we know. That, that the studios, we see it's already happening, that plane is very much in flight. They knew that residential, not, uh, sorry, the Streets of America was obviously going away. So mm-hmm. the, the, the time had come, they could, they literally could not renew that five-year contract. Look, like, like Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes, I know nothing, but <laughs> talk about references that nobody's going to get. I know nothing, no. but I do think that something else is coming. I, and I, when I say that, I, I think that we have not seen the last of lights that will be synchronized to music. They will probably not be Osborne lights because now they're, you know, they can sort of do mm-hmm. it on their own. Uh, I think we see where technology is going well, I, with... I, I, I haven't seen this uh, this new uh, uh, drone show over at uh, Disney Springs. It's spectacular. But, uh, those people who have... It, have told me, Jim, it's pretty amazing, you know, and watching it on YouTube is, no, you can't. is, is really a, a very weak representation. You're doing you yourself a disservice. There. I saw it on the first night, um, and mm-hmm. I, I know some of the people who were involved in the project, and they're like, look, it was okay. Like, the first night was, it blew, I will, I am not too much of a man to admit, I was brought to tears. Like, there were, there were moments in it I was choked Somebody up. Somebody was stepping on your foot while you were I, sitting there. I was hungry. Something. I was just really, really hungry. <laughs> but okay. the way that they, it, look, it was a ballet. It was this beautiful ballet mm. set to music and something we had never, ever seen before. We are going to look back on November of 2016 and say, remember that first time that they did the drone show in the sky? And now that we see it in other parts, look, I, again, knowing nothing, I think you are going to see this brought into places like Pandora, where the bioluminescent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, environment really comes to life, not just on the ground and not just. I, your... I, I think that would be a good Absolutely. guess. Yes, uh, but I also think that you will see dancing light in some form or fashion returning to the Walt Disney World theme parks. I think potentially, uh, again, if you want to have this idea and sort of going back to what Jennings Osborne did. It was something for his neighbors to come and see. Well, where is a neighborhood in Walt Disney World? Main Street, USA, according to story, it is a neighborhood. 
you could have that there. It would be a nice potential complement to the Castle Projections show. Imagine what it would be like with the snow falling on Main Street in that intimate type of environment, much like Streets of America was. Uh, there may be other places it could happen as well, but I do think it will come back just not necessarily in the Osborne name. Well, I, I, I think the point here is there are things that need to be kept in the, in the spirit. Technology will change, you know, and and there are are times where where things will just go. I'm I'm one of the worst offenders. I tell people <laughs> to you know really pay attention and take pictures and all that. There are many times it, uh, we talked uh, off mic about the Jolly Holidays uh, dinner show where I thought, oh, this will always be here. Mm-hmm. This is so magnificent. This is making a ton of money. This will always be here. No, it's not. You know, it's gone. And, you know, it's the same thing with animation. There are people who complain that, you know, well, animation, you know, the only true animation, it, it, it's done, you know, with a, with a pencil and, and, you know, 24 frames per second, and you have to hand paint, you know, the cells, you know. Uh, but, you know, technology changes. And, and, and now that we, we have computers that can do things in animation that people could not even imagine you know, in the 1940s when they were doing this. But it has to be in service of a good story. Right. You know, it has to be in service of a, a solid story. When when people take a look at, at Pixar, I think an awful lot of times they took, take a look at the technology. Oh, look, they got they got hair that can move. They've, they've got water <laughs> that looks like real water. What makes those pictures memorable are the stories and the characters. And, and I think with... Uh, out here at um, Walt Disney World for the theme parks when it comes to uh, new things, and especially at Christmas, it's like there's going to be new technology, things that are undreamt of at at this particular moment. And they'll be put into service, but they need to be put into service to support that that original basic... um, uh, foundation that that spirit of, of Christmas and and what what that's all about of you know goodwill to men you know peace on earth you know family good uh, food love giving you know uh, that and and if they do that then, then that's going to work and and there's going to be uh, uh, a whole new um, tradition and and for those people who mourn the loss of the Festival of Lights, and, and, and I do as well, you have to realize that for the first uh, 20 years of Walt Disney World, that didn't exist. It wasn't there, you know? Uh, so uh, in, as you can mourn the loss of this, but you should also take a moment to appreciate that it was there at all right? and that it was there for an extended period of time. Well, as long as we're talking about lights and something that people missed, I think maybe this is an easy, good segue to another light show that I think people were and still are sad to see gone. It was one that began back in 94, lasted to about 2008, 2009, and it was the old Mm -hmm. lights of winter uh, that took place in the... Um, oh, I missed that. Yes. Yeah. Go so ahead. in the uh, in the walkway in between Future World and World Showcase was this archway lighted with 30, 40,000 
these were the, these were the old school. These were the original dancing lights uh, before yes. Yes. you know the uh, the Osmond lights came in. Um, they were here, like I said, till. I don't know if it was 2008, 2009. Yeah, I, I think it's 2009. Yeah, so maybe think, January 2009, 2009, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, again, it was an older no, technology. No, 2009 was the year that they didn't install them. Okay, so yeah, right, 2008. 2008 was the last year. We want to be accurate because people tune in to this podcast <laughs> figuring that they're not just getting the, the, those rumors. They're getting, you know... The, the the real thing, the straight skinny here. 2008, so, yeah. 2009, whatever it takes from like Mr. Mom. Um, so, but again, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, love Michael Keaton. Um, it was one of those things where they necessarily couldn't replace all the lights and the technology. You know, it was something that was a mm-hmm. lot older. I don't necessarily think that we won't see something like that maybe in Epcot again, but I think people miss it because of the memories that they have of walking through those archways from World Showcase to Future World and vice versa. And and, and again, uh, an, an experience that you can't get anywhere else other than at, at a at a Disney theme park. And, uh, you know, again, I've, I've used the word immersive many times uh uh, in this podcast, but it, it truly is. You're, you're walking and you're underneath these towering uh, archways. And, and again, the, the lights are, are simplistic, but, you know, there, there's patterns, there's colors. Sometimes it would just go all white, you know, and, and it, it's dark out there. You know, you, you really don't have any ambient light. And it's like, wow, you know, uh, what a memory. You know, what a memory. Sorry, so let's just talk about some, well, let's stay in the parks for a second because I want to go over to some of the resorts about some of the other things that have come and gone. And, I, and I'm saying them because I want to see if this may prompt the memory or recollection of somebody going, yeah, but I, I was in, I remember being in Epcot in like 1986 and, and seeing Carol Lawrence. Well, you did. Carol Lawrence and the World Dancers performed the Holiday Splendor Show at the America's Gardens by the Shore Pavilion. Um, mm-hmm. I think just that one year, uh, there was a sparkling Christmas show in 1991 that became the Sparkling Christmas Spectacular on the Cinderella Castle stage. That was a, a very oh, big... L- listen, let, let's let's go back to, to 1984. And I think we want to go back uh, to Carol Lawrence. <laughs> and, and, and you've got, uh, you know, Liver Lips McGrawl dressed up as... Uh, Elvis Presley with a Christmas tree guitar and Teddy Barra in, in ski gear and a cast on on her leg, you know. I'm going to climb up there and sign her cast. <laughs> Big Al dressed as Baby New Year. The Country Bear Jamboree Christmas Special. Which I have to tell you, I dug that. Like the, like the original Country Bear, it was corny and cheesy and campy, but I loved, and I think maybe this was part of the problem, but I loved seeing these bears perform traditional Christmas songs like Sleigh Ride and Blue Christmas and Winter War, all of sort of the, the, the standards that we know today, although my kids would say, what, what are you talking about? Uh, Blue Christmas, <laughs> Sleigh Ride, yeah. Winter Wonderland, all of those were, were they were, and, and again, to me, it just made the characters more real because, no, this isn't just an attraction. These just aren't audio animatronic heavy pieces of machinery. These are real characters because they're celebrating Christmas. 
And not only are they celebrating Christmas, not only is there the superficial change of, of costumes, they're actually singing, you know, uh, uh, these songs. And, and uh, you got uh, Buff the Buffalo on the wall wearing his Santa Claus hat <laughs> and, and the deer with the, uh, the red light bulb on his nose like Rudolph and, 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 and the moose with Christmas trees on, on the antler. And it was like, yeah, yeah. These are my old buddies, and I'm 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 going to a Christmas party at at, at their house here. You know? Well, the same way they used but, to do their again, vacation hoedown, right? They, they, these were like you know real people. These real people. These were like real performers, real bears. right? <laughs> <laughs> real characters, real characters. And but again, the official Walt Disney World statement is that the reason they don't do that anymore, they stopped, uh, last time they did that was uh, 2006, the reason they don't do that anymore, and the reason that we don't get um, Nightmare Before Christmas out here, it's not a question of money, it's a question of we have a different makeup of guests. That at Disneyland, what you're having is you're having uh, a lot of annual pass holders, a lot of locals, and so in order to bring them in, you, you need to have something different. But at Walt Disney World, uh, primarily our, our guests are um, more international, you know, and are not locals. You know, they, they may come from, from the Midwest or uh, whatever, you know, for, for their uh, week of Christmas celebration. And so they would be disappointed if they did not see the traditional attractions. And, and I or think that makes sense. if they came out and the attractions were down for right. the makeover. You right. know? People, people forget that the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay at Disneyland doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it takes no. months for it to happen. And if, if you do save up for five years to go to Walt Disney World and your kid's been dying to see the Haunted Mansion and it's closed to become something that is overlaid with a movie that maybe they haven't seen before, it could very be... Di- very much be disappointing to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know whether I completely buy into that, but, but again, I do buy into the fact that, you know, Disney is a business, you know, it, it's show business and the business has to be successful in order for the show to go on. I, I, I get that, but it still doesn't prevent me from going, <laughs> I, I, I want to see them up there and, and uh, what was it the the penguin in the block of ice uh, 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 shaking during <laughs> during when they were singing Blue Christmas oh I would, you know um, so, but wait do you know one but, of the things that that I actually miss the most and and this is surprising for me and I don't know why I keep thinking back to this because I'm not normally somebody that that you know when I go to the parks will sit down and watch a show. But I really used to like the old um, the, twas, the the Mickey's Twas the Night Before Christmas show at the old Tomorrowland it's, stage, which is now the right. Puzzle and, 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 meet and yeah, great. the Nutcracker show too. They had and all right. that. Right, and because yeah. you had Mickey and Santa Goofy and and Chip and Dale and and the soldiers, and it was one of the things that I used to enjoy. And, and if you've never been to the Tomorrowland stage, um, you used to be able to see it from the Wedway People Mover, but it now is is blocked off, that area is blocked off by where the Buzz Lightyear meet and greet is in between Buzz and Carousel of Progress. There used to be sort of 
for lack of a better word, metal park benches and a stage at the far end. Yeah. And that's where the, the Twas the Night Before, and it was a long show. It was like a like a half hour long show. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in those days, shows ran half hour, and then Disney determined that shows needed to run closer to 15, no more than 20 minutes, because people were rushing. Because now, going to Walt Disney World, it's an appointment vacation. You know, oh, here's my fast pass. Oh, right. <laughs> here, here's my reservation for, uh, uh, you know, to to eat. So it's an appointment vacation. But but in those days, and don't forget, there was also a stage. A lot of people forget this. There was also a stage uh, in uh, uh, Fantasyland, mm-hmm. uh, beyond the the carousel, over by where uh, uh, the Twenty Thousand Leagues uh, um, uh, attraction was. Uh, just over to the left of that, between that and um, uh, Pinocchio's Village House, there was a Fantasyland stage, and they did little uh, character shows there. And and I love those. You know, it's like, yes, Minnie is having a, a, a Christmas get-together, and the uh, country bears are, are coming in from outdoors, and Chip and Dale are coming down the, uh, coming down the chimney, and yeah, nice short little show. But yeah, they're all dressed up in their Christmas uh, uh, finery. There's some, and and you really feel, yeah, this is the holidays. I, I I'm a huge, huge uh, supporter of of Disney entertainment. I will tell you the the one thing that uh, uh, I I uh, really miss in terms of entertainment at uh, um, Magic Kingdom was the Kids of the Kingdom. Yeah. I, 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 I know I know it was Disney's version of Up With People, but Kids of the Kingdom, <laughs> I, I love that, you know. And and uh, when uh, the Disney MGM Studios opened, they had the, uh, I think they were called the Girls of Hollywood. So there were these beautiful, beautiful young uh, women with legs that went on forever, and they would do Hollywood, uh, classic Hollywood uh, show tunes. So again... They immediately had my heart because I love old movies. And they did it on that um, uh, stage, which is now where Sunset Boulevard is. You know, so th- it, it, Disney is is constantly changing. So uh, what people need to remember from this podcast is, you know, appreciate what is there now. Really enjoy it. Don't take it for for granted, you know. And uh, if you and I don't think you should live your life trying to to take pictures of it with your phone and and, and all of that, you know. Um, See it with you, your own you eyes. You should do that I, I occasionally, <laughs> but 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 take the but take the memories with you, the the experience with you, you know. Um, because even as you and I are talking about some of these things, Lou, I I, I find myself uh, just smiling because because uh, I I can. I can remember the colors. I can, you know, remember uh, some of the sounds. I can remember, you know, uh, how I was feeling and, and how exciting it was to be at Walt Disney at Christmas. Yeah. And I, look, I, I agree with you. And it's often disappointing for me to see when I watch a, a show, especially at night, and you are, um, you, you are bathed in a sea of glowing blue lights from people's phones because... They're recording, and I, I get it. We want to record it. We or, want to or, share. Or, or what? What's worse for me is they're holding them up over their head, right? So I can't see. We the used stage. to put our we used to put our kids on our shoulders. Now we put our phones up <laughs> in the air. So, and look, I'm I'm guilty of it too. I I, I understand. I I I like to live broadcast because I like to 
bring people the experience if they can't get there. But, you know, mm-hmm. something that you said, Jim, too, is I think it's not only necessarily looking at these things with your own eyes, but sometimes some of the smallest details, it doesn't have to be a, a, a grand production and stage show. So one of the things that I remember and kids, there was a time way back when when there was no sorcerer hat in the middle of the Disney MGM studios. It was actually at one point <laughs> they put up a Christmas tree. And I do you remember when they used to have the train set, the old oh, sort yes. of Hollywood themed train set that would go around under the tree and it had the Hollywood Bowl and the, the Hollywood mm-hmm. Hills Amphitheater and a tiny little miniature Chinese theater which sat in the shadow of the really big, uh, you know, one-to-one yes. scale Chinese theater. I, I, I had forgotten about that uh, train set until until you just brought that up and it, it was always one of my favorites. to, to go, Because, again, it's that attention to detail. It's that... It's that um, a uh, little sense of of whimsy and humor, you know, uh, uh, with that. And uh, gosh, well, okay. So, yeah. so, we're no, no, so, so this is the Rip Van Winkle show, is this it? We <laughs> well, I we, want... we we fell we fell asleep fifty years ago and just woke up to do this podcast. No, I'm hoping that somebody's going. But wait, Lou, I, I remember this train at the studios. You're not crazy because it was there. And if you're going, Lou, wasn't there a time? that there was like the big fake water tower and, and they put a giant Santa hat on it, like uh, mm-hmm. around, right. The old earful tower, which is not there anymore. I think to 2016, 15, 16, oh, the earful tower went away. It, 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 listen, it, it's all going faster than I, I you know, know. It, it's I like dominoes, you know, bing, 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 you know, a lot faster than I, I care to rema- imagine. I, I hope that there are some listeners who not only go, yes, I remember that. And, Oh, I wish you guys had talked about you know uh, this, right? <laughs> such and such. But but I hope there are some people who go, you know, I never heard about that. I wonder if we can do something like that uh, again. You know. So just a couple of things that are, are no longer there that I wanted to mention because maybe we'll we'll see another incarnation of it, or maybe it's something that you remember. So Jim, I think that you touched on it earlier. Um, was a dinner show that they had in the mid to late 80s over at the Contemporary in the Fantasia. Jolly, jolly, jolly holidays. Those holly, 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 jolly days. Yes. There you go. At the old Holiday Village, which was the Fantasia Ballroom. And it was the jolly holiday. It was a dinner. Disney was always big on dinner shows. Um, And this was one. It was a theater in the round uh, uh, setting. You You had that big, huge stage in the center and you had uh, tables around, and then there were sort of um, satellite small stages, annex stages uh, uh, around there, and so very much uh, similar uh, to like hoop de doo review, whatever. But but the premise here is that you're being uh, I- invited uh, to the holiday village where where uh, Papa, uh, the, this uh, lovable old. Uh, 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 gray-bearded character um, has invited people over and uh, there's going to be singing, there's going to be performing, and there's going to be all you can eat, which basically is the server comes to you and goes, that's all you can eat. And uh, (laughs) because the next song is coming now, you know, Santa Goofy is coming out with uh, Pluto dressed up as as a reindeer or 
or the uh, hippos and ostriches from Fantasia coming out and uh, uh, doing a dance to the Nutcrackers uh, suite or, um, you know, all of that. So, again, you know, and again, massive show at, at, at least um, – a hundred performers, as as I recall, and characters, and, and there they was would characters, do two right? shows a night. Hmm? Weren't they, there was it wasn't just performers, but there was um, characters in there as well. Oh yes, yes, and and so you know, I thought I I, I went to it um, uh, twice, and and again it was pricey, <laughs> but uh, and and I and I remember one year thinking, well, no, I've seen this and I enjoy that, but. You know, finances are a little tight this year. I'll go next year. And there was no next <laughs> <Right>. year. <laughs> Let that be a warning. That that That's the voice of Christmas past warning you. <laughs> you know, there may not be a next year. So, you know, and, and it, but but we also forget that there was all sorts of little things right. going on all around uh, 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 property, you know, um, uh, when I came out um, in uh, 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 the fall of uh, 1995, uh, my brother Mike uh, was a uh, a performer at um, Disney MGM uh, Studios. He was uh, uh, the rawhide kid, and he he twirl this massive uh, rope and all that. But he also did you know uh, convention shows and all that. And uh, one of the gigs that um, uh, he got was over at um, uh, Port Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, Port Orleans, and they would do a uh, an hour, hour and a half little uh, Christmas uh, presentation. This is one of those hidden secrets. I know this happened. I was there. <laughs> I even got some video of this, but it'll be interesting to see if any of the listeners remember this uh, as well. But in that little uh, courtyard out there, uh, you could get a, um, a a free cider and a, a sugar cookie. Only one sugar cookie, because I know I tried to get more than one. You can only get one sugar cookie. And um, there would be this little 15-minute uh, show where there'd be a, a, a jester, you know, a Mardi Gras jester, and that was my brother. Um, and sometimes they'd have a little three-piece band or whatever, and, and he'd juggle and he'd, he'd do some some tricks and he'd make a balloon animal or two or whatever. And uh, then he would lead, um, uh, he had this uh, single long uh, candle. He would lead them out into an area uh, by the pool, just over towards the right. It was this uh, flat, grassy area. I don't know what it is now. And he would tell them um, the uh, story of the Noel candle, which is a, a French story about you, you leave a small candle burning in the window on the eve of Noel to light the way for the Christ child. And uh, then you would, they would pass out um, uh, handouts of uh, Christmas carols, and uh, the jester would lead people in uh, uh, the singing of, of uh, uh, the carols. And it was a nice, you know, little intimate uh, uh, ceremony. And uh, again, usually you had a crowd of, you know, maybe... 25, 35 uh, uh, people. It, it, and, and I remember thinking at the time, Disney is spending all of this money and taking all of this time just for like 
25, 35 uh, people. Yes, they were. And uh, what a, a nice little heartwarming experience. So, of course, since it was a nice heartwarming little experience that only appealed to <laughs> 25, 35 people, uh, you know, a night, boing, that went. But but I'll bet I'll bet there were other things uh, uh, like that uh, out there. And 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 my gosh, you know, we haven't even touched on 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 the decorations. You've been to the holiday services building, right, Blue? I have, and I just want to go back real quick about the uh, the Port Orleans thing because I don't remember seeing it in, in with my own eyes. But when you said something, was that ever on one of the? Um, Yes, in the, the, 1991. That, I was going to say DVDs, but tape. probably was a, a videotape. My was it on the Betamax. Was it on the Betamax. Only, only back then? sold at Walt Disney World. Yeah, it was Walt Disney World Christmas. It had little clips of. Right, right. Um, and that was my brother. By golly, that was my brother Mike, who who still works for Disney. Was it so, really in entertainment? So. But see, I and I like the fact that that was something that was not advertised it wasn't an attraction that no. was a gift you, you i think you discovered it on your own but right it was a gift to the people who were staying there it was something special for the people who were staying there look we we all go to the different resorts now to see the gingerbread houses many of us especially who are locals will make a special trip out to fort wilderness to see the decorations or do one of the sleigh rides but i think that the port or, or, or go see the holiday storytellers at epcot exactly. world showcase exactly so I, I like that. Um, I, I like that a lot. Um, something else that people may or may not r- remember was, the, you know, the, the holiday celebrations and little treats like this were not just limited to the, the parks and the resorts. They also took place in downtown Disney slash Disney mm. Village Marketplace slash Lake Point of Vista Village. Call it what you want. And one of the ones that I remember seeing, it had to have been late 80s, early 90s was at, I guess right. maybe it was called the Marketplace then, was, uh, it really was sort of a um, like a living nativity scene, which was the glory mm-hmm. and pageantry it, of it, Christmas. It, a, a tableau, yes. Oh my well, gosh, and I, I remember uh, uh, <laughs> it drove people crazy because cars would be backed up bumper to bumper on, on, on Lake Buena Vista, you know, uh, trying to get there, even though there were... Uh, I think at least two shows uh, uh, an evening, but yeah, you're you're right. It it was late '80s, uh, early '90s, and it was called the Glory and Pageantry of Christmas. And um, originally, it was performed at the Captain's Tower, which is now which was a, a stage area. It, it's now Pin Traders, and then it moved to the waterfront uh, dock stage because again, the whole concept was. You're having more people. You've got to accommodate, you know, more people. And the whole point of this was that um, people weren't going down, you know, to the village uh, marketplace. It seemed to be like on the fringes of Disney. So you wanted to do something to, especially over the Christmas season, bring people in so that they would buy things in the shops. And the shops were, uh, the exteriors at least, the facades were decorated, you know, to suggest a little town like little town of, of Bethlehem. And uh, then you had a, a narrator, and you had these uh, actors, and there were Christmas songs as well. But basically, the big finale, the big finish, is Mary and Joseph approach the manger, which is which is on stage, and uh, and the shepherds appear, and, and then the angels appear. They rise up from behind the manger, 
And, uh, you know, they're, they're, we're talking about two or three dozen uh, uh, performers here. And then the big uh, uh, punchline, the big uh, finale, was uh, the various shopkeepers would bring out items uh, from their shop to give uh, to the uh, Christ child, where at the same time, you know, uh, advertising, yes, you should go to that candle shop. Mm -hmm. If you like that candle being given to that little baby there, you should go to this candle shop. Uh, We have these on sale. Um, (laughs) And then, as I said, the punchline is a little orphan uh, boy comes up and he has no gift uh, to bring, and so... Mary encourages him to play his drum. So you've got, you know, uh, the little drummer boy uh, playing. And so, again, very respectful, very, um, again, in, in many of the Disney shows, as part of the audience, you become part of that experience because you're, you're seeing the reaction on other people, not just children, but, but on, on adults that, you know, emotional triggers are being set off and and you're going through this and it's just a wonderful reminder you know uh uh of the season and and i've i've often wondered if because it was so um uh religiously oriented whether that had uh, uh any impact on it uh, it fading away into history uh, probably it was more realistic that uh you know all of these people came to see the show, but then they didn't stick around to go shop in the right. shop. <laughs> but I did love the fact that they incorporated the surrounding shopkeeping. Because, look, remembering back to the 80s, it really was, it had much more of a village-type feel to it. And I know we have talked in the past about sort of the, mm-hmm. the history of the of the marketplace itself and, and what it was and what it eventually became. But it did have that sort of, um, neighborhood village type feel, and I and I it, love it, the. It, it was a nice, intimate I- yeah. experience, and uh, it it didn't have the hustle and bustle of the parks. And and again, there was no uh, admission fee, so if you wanted to meet somebody and they didn't have a ticket to get into the parks or whatever, this was a wonderful place to meet. Or if you wanted to buy, you know, a, a Disney park item, here was a place that that you could go. Although, uh, especially in the beginning. There were a lot of uh, shops that were not uh, themed specifically to Disney, but uh, but to, uh, as I mentioned, things like candles or, or perfume or whatever. We were joking before about the kaleidoscope on Walt's desk. I have to tell you, man, as we were talking back about the old village, I used to love the giant kaleidoscope that was oh. right over there by the. It's sort of by where uh, the entrance to World of Di- where the Stitch side entrance where Stitch is spitting, right in that courtyard there was where the giant kaleidoscope was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now they have, uh, you, uh, it's a meet and greet area for, for Santa out there, or was. I don't know if it is this year. Things constantly change. But yeah, that kaleidoscope, and, and again, that kaleidoscope, oftentimes there were things placed in a Disney theme park where, no, it wasn't, as you pointed out, wasn't on the map. It wasn't a timed experience. You just stumbled across it in a sense of discovery and it's like oh isn't this neat this is here i remember jim i remember oh my god i get choked up i remember being with my mom and my dad and wanting to just look i was fascinated by this simple and we say giant kaleidoscope we mean one that that stood 30 40 feet in the air um i mean it was Mm -hmm. it was huge and you sort of look down 
onto the sort of um, the, these plates on the bottom and, and the, uh, mm-hmm. when the sun shone mm-hmm. in. Uh, it was I, I thought it was beautiful. And, and I was one of the things I, I was sad to see um, when it left. But you mentioned Santa Claus and we would be remiss. <laughs> we was nice segue, right? We would be remiss if we did not mention Santa Claus who is very, very busy this time of year, and he bounces around from parks to parks. But back in the 70s, um, you could not only meet Santa Claus and take pictures with Santa Claus, but more importantly, Jimmy Corcus, you could have breakfast with Santa on the Empress Lily. Oh, I I never got a chance to do that. So uh, I didn't, I don't ever remember doing it, um, but back in December of 77, while you were still excited about, you know, Star Wars having come out just a few months earlier, if you thought that was good, you could have breakfast with Santa. And this, if you like character meals now, not only should you thank Santa Claus, but you should thank Disney Springs and Downtown Disney. More importantly, thank Mr. George Caligridis, because he mm. is... The person that came up with, obviously collectively part of a team, but came up with this idea of having breakfast with Santa. So the Empress Lily was only open for lunch or dinner. You said before they're trying to find a get to a, a way to get people down into this Disney World Village or the Disney Village Marketplace. Village Marketplace, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have this idea to come up with this to um, let people and families come in earlier in the day to do their Christmas shopping and browsing, but to kick off the day by having breakfast with Santa and friends aboard the Empress Lily. It obviously became super popular. Um, resort visitors are going over to do it. So they're like, well, wait a minute, maybe we're onto something here. And this sort of was the catalyst for what we now know as character dining at other resort locations. Like remember, uh, um, Oh gosh, we were talking about the the, the Country Bear Jamboree. Um, uh, Melvin the Moose, the Melvin the Moose breakfast at um, yes, yes. Fort Wilderness and Minnie's Menahune over at, uh, at at the Polynesian. All those things came from this initial char- the first character. This, God, this should have been this week's trivia question. The first character meal at Walt Disney World was with Santa Claus. And it, where I thought you were uh, heading, that's that's why it's, it's always so exciting for me to. Uh, do these podcasts with you is because we bounce these ideas back and forth. We've had similar experiences, but we've had different experiences. When you were saying not only Santa Claus, I thought you were going for, um, in the early days, they had not only Santa Claus, they had Frosty the Snowman. Because some kids are scared of Santa Claus. (laughs) And and I will tell you, uh, uh, back out in California, I was a friend of Santa Claus's. And uh, one of Wait, the first they're, they're things, scared of Santa Claus. One of the first things you learn as Santa Claus is you've got to put on the rubber pants. <laughs> and I thought, why are they having me put on rubber pants? Jim, I think that was. I think that they were con- rubber pants. I think they were concerned more about the, you than the they were the children. Five minutes I was out there, and a, a screaming, yelling child being forced into Santa's lap there, and losing all control of his bodily functions. <laughs> I was thankful for rubber pants. <laughs> So all future friends of Santa, remember to, you know, check Always wear your before rubber you go pants. on stage. <laughs> 
Yeah, so they weren't scared. Of, they were scared of Santa, but they weren't scared of the giant talking fat snowman. That there's nothing. No, I, listen, I would have been more scared of a giant talking snowman for crying out loud, you know, because I had known snowmen. I had made snowmen. Right. You know, having one come to life, that's like, you know, oh, no, what, what's wrong? It's the end of the world. So, and the last you thing know. that I found in my in my due diligence, which I don't ever remember seeing with my own eyes, was um, you may have seen pictures of a giant hot air balloon shaped like Mickey Mouse um, that they brought out yes. in the eighties. Um, he was known as Air Force One, but in right. uh, in December of around the the holiday season, when they gave him like the water tower a giant Santa Claus hat. He became no, cheer I never for- knew that. He was cheer force one. Ha! Huh. He was cheer force one. See, there's always something new to learn. There you go. But I'm sure. You know, but, but all of your listeners, they're going to go out and they're going to tell their friends and family, <laughs> and their friends and family are going, "Oh my gosh, you just know everything. You're just such an expert." <laughs> No, I never saw Mickey. I've never even seen a photo of 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 the of Air Force One with a, a Santa's cap. But, but again, it makes absolute logical sense. So did we, we need to bring that back? Bring back Air Force One. Come on. <laughs> so, is there anything else that you think we missed? I mean, we, there was, you know, and the point was, and I'm sure we have missed something uh, along oh, well, the way. I think the most important thing is is that we've missed is giving the listeners uh, all of our sizes and color preferences. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and, and there's just too many uh, Disney things to, to put on a, a, a Disney Christmas uh, list. J- just books alone. I, I take a look at that, and it, it seems like a, a new Disney book is, is is coming out every single week, and it and, and it's again, it's a Disney book that I would want to have in my own uh, uh, personal library. Well, I, I will you tell know, you, I, I'm going to tell you what's on my Christmas list for anybody that's listening. Christmas. Yeah, so um, my Christmas list really sort of uh, consists of things like. Secret Stories of Walt Disney World by Jim Corcus, the unofficial oh. Disneyland 1955 companion by Jim Corcus, all the vaults of Waltz by Jim Corcus, Waltz Words by Jim Corcus, uh, Cartoon Confidential by Jim Corcus. What else am I missing? <laughs> what what well, do you have, like 15? Uh, uh, what oh, is it, 15 uh, books? Gosh, animation, uh, uh, <laughs> anecdotes, uh, everything I know I learned from Disney animated feature films. Uh, how to be a Disney historian, and not only will they make you happy for Christmas, but you getting them will make me happy. <laughs> not just be, because I'll, I'll be able to pay my um, uh, electric and gas bill, but uh, because it'll make me happy because you will have uh, all of these wonderful stories uh, to share uh, with, with other people. And, and, and I, I took great delight in, in, in hearing, uh, uh, Lou share the Charlton Heston and the John Wayne stories that, uh, that I've included in, in, in the books there, because stories are, are living things and they need to be told to be kept alive. And, and if we don't, then we forget these things and, and, and they die or they, they morph into, into something, uh, uh, different. And, um, one of the reasons I write all of these books 
is is not you know uh, uh, just to pay the ga- gas bill and uh, you know uh, gosh I need a, a, a filling in my tooth but um, uh, I got a chance to meet a lot of Imagineers and animators and they they told me so many wonderful things and unfortunately they're no longer around you know this this holiday season to enjoy it and it, it's important to have their stories out there and and shared uh, with others. And uh, while you're picking up my books, don't forget to pick up uh, uh, Lou Mangello's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, books as well and his uh, CD set. And uh, heaven only knows what else he has. Make, make sure you always uh, uh, check the, the, the shop at uh, WDW Radio. You, you never know one of these days when a, a Vinylmation Lou may pop up. <laughs> you know, or or a limited edition uh, Cloisonoin uh, uh, WDW radio pin. Uh, do you even have those, or and I miss those, or we, we did. I haven't had them in a long time. Maybe it's something I have to bring back. But listen, I I want people. Listen, I, I really and I mean this sincerely. You know, I'm a uh, I am Jim Corcus's number one fan. If you don't believe me, come check out the shrine at my house. But. If you go and visit wdwradio.com slash Corcus, K-O-R-K-I-S, I want to make it as easy for you as possible to pick up not one, not two, but as many of the Jim Corcus books. Um, they are wonderful. You do such, and I know this is like the Mutual Admiration Society, but you do such an amazing job, Jim, of keeping the, the legacy and the stories and the magic alive of the, the history of these parks, which I think is so, so very important. And uh, and you are and you continue to be a fascinating story. And I am so grateful to you and for you that you come on and share these stories in your own words and in your own voice um, with our friends here who are listening. We've got to do this again because there are many, many stories which we haven't gotten to. Uh, well, as well yet. I'm, I'm going to be interested in, in reading the listener comments to see uh, uh, holiday memories that you know we we may have missed or holiday memories where we brought back uh, a memory and by the way Lou I have great respect for Lou Lou wrote the uh, forward to vault of vault volume two so it, it one of my favorite volumes so uh, very much respect that and uh, again you know this is uh, the WDW radio uh, Christmas holiday gift uh, to all of you this year. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much, Jim. Um, it was really great to look at the past, uh, the history of, of Christmas at Walt Disney World. It's be interesting to see. And we're going to talk in upcoming shows about what the present and the future is going to be. But again, find Jim's, Jim's books at wdwradio.com slash Corkis, K-O-R-K-I-S. Uh, thank you so very much, uh, my friend. And uh, as always, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays uh, to you as well. Thank you so much. Favorite Christmas movie, go. Uh, favorite what movie? Christmas movie. Oh, uh, I like uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the original one with Edmund Gwen. Favorite thing to uh, eat at Christmas time? This is like this is like lightning round. I'm making it up as I go along. Uh, the, the, this is that that um, that uh, dark chocolate ball that when you uh, it also has orange in it, and you you smash it so that in it it falls out into uh, those separate little uh, slices. 
favorite or most memorable Christmas gift you ever received? Gosh, there there, there were so many, but I, I would say that back when I was a, a kid uh, living in uh, uh, Glendale, uh, one Christmas, mom and dad went to uh, Disneyland, and at the art corner, they got me the Art of Animation kit, which had uh, a How to Draw Mickey book, uh, How to Draw... Um, uh, Donald uh, book, uh, How to Do Animation, and a, a little uh, uh, press board um, uh, animation uh, uh, table with, with glass and, and some uh, pre-punched uh, uh, paper so they could be put on pegs so I could become an animator. And I never did. <laughs> but I love getting the gift. All right, last question, because I will tell you, I'll let you in on a little secret. I love Christmas, but I don't necessarily like getting presents on Christmas. Um, you and me both. Maybe, uh, maybe this is is my dad rubbing off. Dad was in many ways. Uh, my dad was was Santa Claus, and and I think he, like I, gets more joy in giving gifts than we do receiving them. So, what's the favorite gift that you ever gave? Actually, it's not the gift that I gave. It's the gift that my father gave, and it's it's just embedded in my my memory. Is um, every Christmas Eve uh, in Glendale, we would invite over, of course, friends and family, and especially those people who were away from their friends and family, so they had nowhere else to go. And Dad would go uh, to seize chocolate and uh, get those pre-wrapped. Um, one-pound boxes, and so they're in that holiday thing with the ribbon on it, and they have a little sticker, and Dad would stick them in the refrigerator so that if somebody dropped by and they happened to have brought a friend, you know, or a plus one and, and all of that, Dad would go to the refrigerator, pull it out, and write the person's name on it, and it's from Santa and the Corcus family, and he would slip it under the tree. And so on Christmas Eve, we would pass out the presents. And so here's this person who maybe, you know, 20 minutes, a half hour before, had no intention of ever coming to the Corcus house. And underneath the tree, a present is being pulled out, and it says, you know, uh, to Tracy from Santa and the Corcus family. And the look on that person's face. <laughs> and I just remember that, uh, that, that you should always give unexpected gifts and that it takes so little to really make people um you know just so happy so so when you talk about giving gifts that that's the very first image that always comes to my mind i love it it's more it truly is more important to give than to receive and if you my friend the listener want to share your story about the greatest the the the, the gift that you the most memorable gift you ever received or the most memorable gift you ever gave or your best Disney memory of the holidays, go to facebook.com slash WDW radio. You can leave it there. Better yet, I'd love to hear it. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 and I will play it on the air. Little Jimmy Corcus, my jolly Jimmy Corcus, my friend. Jolly, jolly Jimmy Corcus. Jolly Jimmy. <laughs> Over the holiday season, I am not little at all, and and uh, and certainly not little in in holiday spirit. We'll have a very stretchy pants Christmas. Thank you so much. 
it's time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, not just in what you see, but sometimes in what you hear. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via email or our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So this week we're talking about Christmas, but last week's question was about Thanksgiving in Walt Disney World. More importantly, some of the history that can be found in and around Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom. And the question that I had for you was to tell me, what was the name of the ceremony that took place in Liberty Square in the 70s in front of the Liberty Bell involving the Fife and Drum Corps and the Revolutionary Area Costuming and the selection of a boy and a girl from the crowd who would participate and get a special prize. Again, thanks to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct. Some of you shared pictures of the parade or you being selected for the ceremony and as one of the sons and daughters of Liberty. And that's exactly what we were looking for. Some of you remember Ben Franklin leading the Liberty Square Fife and Drum Corps throughout Liberty Square, selecting a son or daughter of Liberty from the crowd who was given a special medal or a badge, a copy of the Declaration of Independence, sometimes a, a, a tri-corner hat. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again last week you were playing for the 102 Ways to Save Money for and at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, both of which you can find in the shop at www.radio.com. AWW Radio Magic Band cover, stickers, and a hot and cold travel mug. And last week's winner, an honorary member of the Sons and Daughters of Liberty, not really, is Lisa Navarez. So, Lisa, you entered via the online form. I have all your shipping information. I will get your prize package out to you right away. But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Thanksgiving was so last week. We're on to Christmas. And here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So obviously this week we were talking a lot about the history of Christmas in Walt Disney World and some of the different celebrations and parades and even overlays that took place in in some of the shows, like the Country Bears, when it converted to the Country Bear Christmas Special. In there, all the bears were dressed in their holiday best, and some were actually dressed in some unique costumes as well. And your question this week is to tell me, in the Country Bear Christmas Special, Big Al, one of my favorites, appeared dressed... As what? And here's a bonus question for you this week. As long as we're talking about Christmas, let's bring it over out of the parks and into some animation. Name for me three Walt Disney animated feature films that open, begin, or end with a scene of Christmas. Three animated films that open or close, begin or end, with a scene of or about about or at Christmas. Now, if you get the Country Bear Christmas Special Big Al question, you got the 102 A's book, all the audio tours, a Magic Band cover, and stickers. If you get the bonus question, I will send you not only a WW Radio hot and cold travel mug, but I will also send you a WW Radio t-shirt as well. So if you use the form, be sure and include your size. So good luck, Merry Christmas, and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so much for taking time out of your day, your afternoon, your evening, your car ride, or your treadmill, wherever you are. 
I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you. I know how valuable your time is, and I'm grateful that you choose to share and spend some of it with me. I'm thankful to and for you, as well as some of the new members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Chelsea Lucas, Jennifer Kaufman, Bridget Cram, and Mike Masters. Thanks to you and everybody else who is part of the Nation family. If you want to help the show and get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, access to our private Facebook group, personalized magic band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, and lots more, please visit www.radio.com slash support. Again, it is completely optional, a great way for you to help and support the show. And also don't forget the portion of your proceeds of your contributions will go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. All right, a couple of quick announcements. The Purge is still going on, and by Purge, I mean the Purge of items from my personal Disney, and coming up in the next few weeks, my Star Wars collection as well on eBay. If you visit www.radio.com slash eBay, auctions begin and end every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. There's everything from cast member materials to maps, books, documents, artwork, one-of-a-kind collectibles, and lots more. Again, visit www.radio.com slash eBay. Please don't forget that this show is not a one-way conversation. I would love to hear from you, chat with you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. I am at Lou Mangiello. Also, please like the page over at Facebook.com slash Radio. I've got some cool stuff working on specifically for Facebook coming up soon. If you have a question you want answered on the air, you can email me, Lou, at www.radio.com. Or again, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. And as I'm sure you've heard me say before, as much as I love connecting with you guys online and talking with you there, I think that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. I want the chance to meet and see and thank you in person. That's why I do Meet to the Month every month, coming on on 10 years now in Walt Disney World. Our next Meet of the Month is going to be Wednesday, December 7th in the Magic Kingdom. Let's celebrate the holidays in the Magic Kingdom. We'll also combine it with a live broadcast. I do Facebook Live every Wednesday at facebook.com slash Radio. So if you can't join us in the parks, please join us on Facebook. Be part of the get-together as we celebrate the holidays together. Again, go visit facebook.com slash Radio. Please, RSVP, let me know that you're coming. It is, of course, completely free. Anybody and everybody is welcome. Bring the whole family. It is obviously completely family-friendly. We'd love to see you there. It starts at 7 p.m. till about 8, 8.30 or so. It is at the Tomorrowland Terrace, a.k.a. the Tomorrowland Noodle Station. Again, that's Wednesday, December 7th. Also, while you're on the events page, check out some of our other events coming up, including our Double Dip Cruise to Castaway Key next year. We've got other special events coming in 2017 and beyond. Also, I'll be doing other events and meetups on the road as I travel to speak. And if I can come help speak to your business, your conference or at your school, or if I can maybe help you turn what you love into what you do, please go and visit loumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, my official, my recommended travel provider, because it's who I have and will always continue to use, not just because of the discount prices that they give, but really it's about the level of personal service. They treat you like like family, and it's all at no additional cost to you. And if you want some Disney magic delivered right to your door, or you want to give the gift of Celebrations Magazine, visit celebrationspress.com. And as always, my friends, and you 
are my friend. Whether we have met yet or not, you continue to show that each and every week. And all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell your friends that you're listening. Tweet out a link to this week's show. Better yet, share a link over on Facebook with your friends in a group or on a page. And if you can, take 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. It's incredibly helpful. Thanks to you, we have more than 1,200 five-star reviews. Please keep them coming in. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Elichlack, right, <laughs> who says, fantastic Disney World planning. Lou does a fantastic job sharing the magic with those of us who can't currently be in Walt Disney World. They're wonderfully edited, entertaining, with contests, call-ins, and often talk of delicious food. He loves the positive and optimistic attitude that resonates with all of us in Disney fans. And he, actually you guys, have really created a community of like-minded people who believe that there is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Elichlack, even though I butchered your name, I agree with you 100%. Josh D. has been listening for years, loves the show, and uh, he says, I really like how Lou makes you feel like a friend, even if we've never never met. You've got it, Josh, absolutely. And couldn't be happier, says JTK039. He says, Lou and his guests do a fantastic job of bestowing Disney magic on those who crave it in between visits. I've learned so much, been entertained thoroughly since discovering the show about a year ago. Here's to many more years of success, Lou. Thanks to you, JTK, and everybody else who has listened and reviewed the show. Again, if you visit www.radio.com slash iTunes, it will give you an easy access to go over and review the show as well as instructions on how to do it. And finally, and most importantly, my most humble and sincere gratitude goes out to you. I I cannot express how much I appreciate the fact that you allow me to do what I do and share it with you each and every week. You are not a listener. You're not an audience member. You are not a statistic or a number to me. You really are more than just a friend, even though we've never met yet. You really are like family. And to quote one of my favorite characters and uh, somebody who is wiser than he might appear, family isn't isn't an important thing. It's everything. And I am grateful in this season of Thanksgiving and celebrating the holidays more than ever to you and for you, for if for nothing else than just taking the time to listen and for being part of my extended family. I hope that you have an amazing, incredible day. So until next time, see ya. Hey, I'm calling in reference to the show 465, where you guys discuss some of the uh, listener questions, and you know, I never, I never thought I'd call in because I figured you guys already had the chubby foodie thing uh, nailed down. But when I heard you guys talking about Juno, I just had to call in. That's where my wife's uh, family lives, and as much as we love Disney, Juno is still one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen uh, in in person or in pictures. Um, her Majesty was talking about the crab legs. You guys ought to check out Timberline Barn Grill. Sometimes they have an all-you-can-eat crab legs, and it's it's just simply amazing. But that Tracy Arm excursion is well worth it, too. Uh, just a beautiful place. And another visit that you guys have to make while you're there in town is that Red Dog Saloon. They still have Wyatt Earp's gun hanging there behind the bar. Uh, he had to check it in when he entered the bar and uh, – as the legend goes, the marshals there in Juneau uh, showed up while he was at the bar and escorted him out because of some of the um, bad press that he had gotten them. They, he wasn't uh, much liked up in that part. But 
interesting history there. Um, enjoy your trip. Uh, the guy that called in uh, asking the question, because I'll tell you what, uh, Alaska is amazing. Have a great day. Flying high, we're soaring to tomorrow. Reaching out, the future's in our hands. The journey starts, the adventure never ending. The new frontier we face is the mystery of space. Destiny begins with you and me through all space and time. The achievement of mankind as we sail the sea of discovery. On heroes' wings we fly. Big old Lumangelo, this is Luke Lawson from Bloomington, Indiana. Just wanted to give you a call, leaving my favorite song from Future World, Destiny from Mission Space. Uh, you introduced it to me once on a podcast, and I have loved it ever since. So keep up the good work, bud. We'll talk soon. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Chris at uh, in West Palm Beach. Big uh, team in the box. Just wanted to wish you, Deanne, Nick, and uh, Marion, and the rest of your family and everybody in the box. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. God bless. Enjoy your holiday. Talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. Hey, how's it going, Lou? This is Brian Rainey again from Kansas City, Missouri. Just want to say it's been here six days. It's my last day. And I'm at Magic Kingdom right now. Just got off Splash Mountain. Just standing here on the bridge watching the boats go by. And try to squeeze one more ride in before I go to Magical Express. So I'm either going to do Pirates of the Caribbean or maybe Buzz Lightyear. But they're having a good trip. Had a went to SDK Orlando down at Disney Springs the other night. Had one of the best steaks I've ever had. And the shakes at Deluxe Burger are really good too. But did the food and wine festival. There's so much to tell you, so much to talk about. I wish I could talk about it all. The Star Wars fireworks show at the studio is just amazing. Just got me all fired up for Star Wars. But anyway, it's my last day. That's it. And just want to leave everybody with this public service announcement. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, Martin Gansialgado de la Fuertas. Hi there, pal. It's me, Mickey. I wanted to call and wish you a Merry Christmas. From all of us to all of you, a very Merry Christmas. Good night. Save us.